Okay, so that concludes 20 minutes of silent meditation. I would encourage you to keep your eyes closed. Keep your attention focused on the breath going in and out of your bodies. And we're going to breathe through the third step prayer, one line at a time. So I breathe in the first line of the prayer, the word God. And I take a few breaths and I call out to that thing, try to make conscious contact internally with that thing called God, called higher power, called creative intelligence. And I breathe out the next line of the prayer. I offer myself to thee. And I take a few breaths and I check in with where I'm at right now. How committed am I to offering myself to my higher power right now? in the next line of the prayer to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt and I take a few breaths and I just see what's coming what I think God might want to build with me or do with me today right now And I breathe out the next line of the prayer. Relieve me of the bondage of self. And I take a few breaths and I try to experience a moment of no self, no old ideas, no self-talking mind, no stories, no opinions. Just a breath or two of silence. in the next line of the prayer that I may better do thy will and I take a few breaths and I contemplate could I actually do God's will better if I had a quieter mind Breathe out the next line of the prayer. Take away my difficulties. And I take a few breaths and I look at my morning, my day. What were my difficulties? What was my mind telling me? What's wrong? Needed to be changed.
wasn't going right. And I breathe in the next line of the prayer. That victories over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. And I take a few breaths and I think about the people I'm going to come in contact with today or that I might come in contact with today. And I think about how I might affect them and the people they come in contact with. If I really was able to be a channel of God's love, God's will, and God's way of life. out the last line of the prayer. May I do thy will all ways. <laughs> and I smile. And I imagine myself doing God's will in everything that I do from this moment forward today. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. Allow yourself to become conscious that when you open your eyes, seeing happens. The world is right there. Try to become conscious of the thing that is seeing, not what you're seeing but that there is seeing happening. I don't know if that makes sense in words, but I like to just sit with my eyes open and have no thoughts except for the consciousness that something is seeing flowers. Something is seeing a necklace. Something is seeing a painting. Something is seeing a thermos. So this is my practice. This is what I do. This is how I get into a relationship with something. I'm Randy. I'm alcoholic, by the way. I'm allergic to alcohol. I can never, ever drink alcohol successfully again because my body's allergic to it. The reason I'm allergic to alcohol is because I drank it too much. And the reason I drank it too much is because it was the best over-the-counter drug that I could get to treat my disease called alcoholism. It treated my unsatisfiable, fault-finding, opinionated mind that's always in a hurry 
easily frustrated and can't stand the word no. Alcohol did everything I needed it to do. The moment I drank it, the relief was instant. And so because of that, I used it a lot. And I became physically allergic to it. My body is allergic to alcohol. I can never, ever drink it again. But not drinking alcohol, although it's a great solution to an allergy, if I don't take the substance that causes me to have an allergic reaction, not drinking it is awesome. But not drinking alcohol doesn't heal alcoholism, not one bit. Because it's the medicine. Now I'm taking away the medicine that helped me to deal with life with my alcoholism and the medicine's gone. And so now I'm going to need to find a treatment for the alcoholism and I'm going to have to not ever, ever, ever drink alcohol again one day at a time because I'm allergic to it. And that's, that's what I need to know about alcoholism but or alcohol. That's what I need to know about alcohol. I need to... I'd be able to identify the disease of alcoholism. I need to be able to identify that in my daily life so that I can be aware that I need a treatment for that alcoholism. So in this meeting, we spend a lot of time talking about alcoholism, ego, and self, and we're reading about alcoholism, ego, and self. And all of that is very, very important because that self-awareness Although it doesn't treat the disease, it does show me that the, it, it reinforces the three pertinent ideas. A, that I'm alcoholic, I'm allergic to alcohol, and, and dash, that, I, that my life has become unmanageable. The life that's become unmanageable is the one I need to see. I'm very, very aware of my allergy to alcohol. But the unmanageable life, I thought that meant that when I was drinking, I couldn't drive my car and I, I couldn't uh, keep money in the bank and I couldn't keep a job. But that's not, that's not what it's talking about for me today. For me today, the life that's unmanageable is my inner life, my inner thought life. I cannot manage it. Things are going to pop into my mind. And if I'm in alcoholism, I'm going to run with it. And it could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. But when it's done, there's going to be blood. <laughs> Someone will be hurt if I go down the road of energizing the thoughts that my disease comes up with. So, I'm alcoholic and I cannot manage my inner thought life. That's alcoholism. And then B, that no human power can relieve my alcoholism. Not my alcoholic allergy, my alcoholism. So no human power can relieve my alcoholism. You're a human power. You can't get rid of my alcoholism. And I'm a human power. And I can't get rid of my alcoholism. Neither one of us are going to be able to do it. It's nice that I can see what it is. It's nice that I'm aware of what alcoholism, ego, and self is and how it looks and how it manifests in my life. But the only way that I'm going to get rid of my alcoholism is God could and would if it were sought. And so the 12 steps is a way of life where I can get me out of the way and I can start sodding. And the sodding needs to be done right now, all the time right now. I'm never through 
It doesn't say God could and would after I've done the 12 steps. Or God could and would when I haven't drank alcohol for five years or 10 years or 25 years. No, God could and would right now if it were sought. And the way that I sought it is, of course, through rightly relating myself to my higher power. And I have to do that right now. So there's no long-term effects from alcoholism. <laughs> there's no long-term sobriety from alcoholism. There's only right now. I'm either in a relationship with this higher power and I'm treated, my mind is treated. Mostly, my mind isn't treated, my mind is abandoned. It's abandoned. It's not getting better because I'm in a relationship with God. It's getting ignored because I'm in a relationship with God. And I'm turning and I'm putting all my attention on higher power and and how I could be in a relationship with that right now. And that's why it says God could and would if it were sought, not God could and would if it were found. So we're reading, we're going to finish ego today. Yay. And then we're going to get into step one. Uh, and we're going through the materials from Tebow papers through the 12 steps in the 12 and 12 and the big book. And this adventure is kind of a three and a half year, four year commitment, depending on, you know, how much we read every day. And it's not about reading and it's not about learning. It's a it's a three or four year adventure in showing up every Saturday and having application start right now because it's on right now. The application is on right now. I have meditated. I have prayed. I'm asking my power to be with me right now. I'm engaged in this moment, in being present in this moment. So the treatment is happening right now. There's nowhere to get to. You're, no, you're not going to be any better at this at three and a half years from now. You're not going to have any more access to any more peace three and a half years from now than you have right now at your fingertips. So, you know, buckle your seatbelt and get ready to get right here, right now. Because <laughs> you're not going anywhere. <laughs> I wish I had a different story. I wish I had, you know, the, the story of, look, if you do this with me, in three and a half years, you'll never have to turn to self again. You'll just be great and you'll have more money than you ever imagined and you'll have a better job and a better relationships. And all of that is possible. But more doesn't mean better. Right now, connected right now. Right now, connected means everything. This is it. I, I went over my goals with my boss yesterday, and it was very exciting. And they have big plans for me. And at the end of the year, if I hit all my goals, I'm going to have a certain amount of money in the bank. And I'm going to make a certain amount of money. And it was very exciting and very seductive to go do that, 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 that experiment. But I have more money in the bank right now than I had last year when we did our goals. And I'm not convinced that I have enough money to be okay. 
I have more, but more is not the problem. So, the, 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 the reason, my dog wants my attention. The reason to go deeper, in, in the, the reason to do the reading and to d- get the awareness of alcoholism, ego, and self is to, is, is to be able to turn faster. To be, to be more aware of the disease so that I am more excited about doing the treatment than living in the disease. And, and also having the awareness, like we read surrender versus compliance. I'm assuming that every now and then you have the experience of going, oh, look at me. I'm keeping score again. I'm in compliance. I'm doing the dishes, but you owe me something for this. And, and so now when I'm being compliant, whether it's at work or in my relationship or anywhere in my life, when I'm being compliant, sometimes I can see it and I can go, oh, look at me, I'm up to my old tricks again. I'm up to my old tricks again. God, could you help me? Could you be with me? I'm keeping score. I'm a scorekeeper. Could you help me? And so that's why I have to know about compliance and I have to know that compliance is the enemy of surrender. If I'm in compliance, I'm never going to be surrendered. Because compliance is a half-hearted surrender and there's no such thing. Surrender is complete right now, in this moment. So, and the same thing with ego. Every now and then, I'm on the freeway and I'm in the fast lane and the guy in front of me isn't going as fast as I want to go. And I... And I'm riding his bumper, and all of a sudden it occurs to me, oh, I'm in a hurry. I'm in a hurry to get somewhere, and I'm not even late. And this guy in front of me is bothering me, but he's not bothering me. It's alcoholism. I have alcoholism that's always in a hurry. And maybe I could back off a little and give the guy some slack and realize that really I have nowhere to go. This is, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I can slow down and I can ask God to be with me and I can ask God to help me be the best driver I can be. I'm never going to be the best driver, but I could ask to be the best driver I could be right now. So I think we left off on the bottom of page 61 in this book. Um, I don't know if anybody else is actually reading along in the books. But if you are and you know, I think in the la- we're in the last paragraph on page 61. Uh, and this is a book written by Tebow. If you haven't been to this meeting yet, uh, and, and uh, I, I see Texas T is here today. She's doing an amazing, uh, also deep dive into this the next couple of Fridays. Uh, and she's already done two. Um, We're going to read this and look at it for application. So this is the end of it. In treatment, the problem is to make the reduction permanent. Oh, so in treatment, so he's a psychiatrist and he's talking to other psychiatrists. And he's talking about if you go into therapy and you go into therapy, uh, they're trying to help a person see their ego and reduce their ego permanently. So they have less of an inflated infantile, always in a hurry, easily frustrated, 
tendency. Therapy is centered on ways and means. First, of bringing the ego to earth, and second, keeping it there. The discussion of this methodology would be out of place here, but it is relevant to emphasize one point, namely, the astonishing capacity of the ego to pass out of the picture and then re-enter it, blithe and intact. So, the ego does not go away. The ego does not get reduced. The overinflated, always in a hurry, pompous, self-strutting, pushing ego is always there. It has to be abandoned, not made smaller. A patient's dream neatly depicts this quality. The patient dreamt that he was on the 12th floor balcony of a New York hotel. He threw a rubber ball to the pavement below and saw it rebound to the level of the balcony. Much to his amazement, the ball dropped again and again rebounded to the same height. This continued for an indefinite period of time and as he watched, a clock in the neighboring church spire struck nine. Like the cat with nine lives, the ego has marvelous capacity to scramble back to safety. A little ruffled, perhaps, but soon operating with its former aplomb, convinced once more that now it, the ego, can master all events and push on ahead. This time it'll be different. I've read the right book. I've been to the right meeting. I've worked the steps. This time it'll be different. That's what the ego says. Always. It's always telling me, oh, you've learned something. This time it'll be different. But it's always coming back and it's always wanting something. Sometimes it uses prayer and meditation to get what it wants. Sometimes it's kind and generous and self-sacrificing. And I think, well, that can't be ego. Ego's mean, egotistical, and selfish. But ego is so cunning, baffling, and powerful that it will use anything it thinks will get its what it wants. And when it doesn't get it, then it turns. So, the capacity of the ego to bypass experience is astounding and would be humorous were it not so tragic in its consequences. That is, to me, one of the greatest sentences in in the literature that we read. The capacity of the ego to bypass experience. The capacity of the ego to get blackout drunk and crash cars over and over and over again and still tell me this time it'll be different. to get job after job and get excited about that job and all the money I'm going to make. And this time it's going to be different. And two weeks in, I hate the job and I hate the people and I hate the amount of money they're paying me and I've got a problem with it. The capacity of the ego to bypass experience is astounding. And it would be funny 
Like if I talk about it, you can laugh about it. It's funny that I would crash a car three or four times and still think I can drink and drive. That's, that's, there's something funny about that, except that people are going to get hurt. And the results of my ego are tragic because I throw away relationships. And I throw away jobs and I throw away people and I throw away opportunities and I throw away my life over and over and over again because my ego says to. Cutting the individual down to size and making the results last is a task never completely accomplished. I think that in this moment right now, this one, the one that we're in right now, this moment, it is my belief that the ego is 100% irrelevant in this moment and treated in this moment if I am turning in this moment and I have my attention focused on being the man that God would have me be. How could I have an ego and have a, the humility to be the man that God would have me be? How could I, how could I have an ego and humbly ask it to remove my shortcomings. There is no ego in that. There is no ego in step seven. It's a hundred percent. I've seen who I am. I don't want to be who I am anymore. I'm now willing that God should have all of me, the good and the bad. All of me. And now I'm asking it to help me be the man that it would have me be. Or the woman in whatever your case is. The possibility of a return of ego must be faced by every alcoholic, must be faced by me. I have to know that it's there. It's not going away. It hasn't lost any of its aplomb. I would never use that word unless I'd read this book. The possibility of the return of my ego must be faced by me. If, if it does return, I may refrain from drinking, but I will surely go on a dry drunk. with all of the old feelings and attitudes once more asserting themselves and making sobriety a shambles of discontent and restlessness. Unsatisfied mind is never going away. The ego is always waiting to show me what's not right. Not until the ego is decisively retired can peace and quiet again prevail. I would say by retired, it means abandoned. Otis. As, as I see this struggle in process, I need the helping hand of a deity. The, my need of a helping hand of a deity becomes clearer. So here we're going to now, now I'm seeing I have to have God's help. My selfishness and self-centeredness, I can't get rid of it on my own power because it's me. How am I, what am I going to be left with if I get rid of all of me, the good and the bad? If I get rid of all of me, the good and the bad, there's nothing left. I'm going to need some inspiration from something in order to do something. And so I'm going to be turning to this higher power. 
Mere man alone all too often seems powerless to stay the forces of my ego. I'm powerless. I'm powerless to, to stay the forces of... I'm powerless to not be overtaken again by my ego on my own power because my ego is my own power. There's, I stand at the turning point. I ask God's protection and care with complete abandon of my ego, of myself, or I stand at the turning point and I ask my protection and care with complete abandon of God. Right? And, and there's no half measures. Otis. Otis. Thank you. <laughs> he wants me to say I stand at the turning point and I asked dogs, I asked the dog to, to protect me. Okay. I need assistance and I need it urgently. I need God's help and I need it now. In summary, here's the end of ego. Yay. In, in the process of surrender that the alcoholic necessarily undergoes before my alcoholism can be arrested, the part of my personality that must surrender is my inflated ego. This aspect of my personality is identified as immature traits carried over from infancy into adulthood, specifically a feeling of omnipotence, inability to tolerate frustration, and excessive drive, exhibited in the need to do all things precipitously, hurriedly, now, fast. The manner in which surrender affects the ego was discussed and illustrated briefly from clinical experience. The object of therapy is to permanently replace the old ego and its activity. The purpose of Alcoholics Anonymous is to build a relationship with a higher power and abandon self and ego completely in this moment. And so, yay. We finished our little study of alcoholism, ego, and self. Uh, my, my hope is, is that you're seeing this as you go out into your life, that you're actually having experience now seeing, oh, look, I'm in a hurry. Oh, look, I'm frustrated. I'm easily frustrated. Oh, look, I think I'm the center of the universe and I'm a little pissed that that waiter has actually gone to another table instead of standing next to mine asking me what I need next. And my compliant tendencies to do things half-hearted, to keep score, and my unsatisfiable mind, my fault-finding mind, And the fact that I have all these opinions and really I cannot find the evidence to support my opinions. I don't know why I have them. I cannot find the root of my opinions. I just have them because they're mine. And because they're mine, they're right. And I'm going to stop talking now. I appreciate you all so much. I hope that you had an experience of being present during this talk. 
And I'm going to practice now asking my higher power to help me hear what you're saying while you're saying it so that I'll stay present at this meeting and continue to have some more application. Uh, thank you for letting me share. Oh, and the meeting's open. If you want to share, you can raise your hand. We do record this whole meeting. If you don't want to be recorded, you can... <clears throat> I, I'll try to keep an eye on the chat if you want to share and you don't want to be recorded. Or you can ask me when I call on you to not record you and I'll pause it. And um, I think that's everything. So uh, if you share, you will be recorded. All right. I appreciate you. And here we go. Christine? Hi, I'm Christine. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Christine. It was, it was, I finally got it. I finally got it in this moment. <laughs> so I'm either turning my will and my life over to Christine or I'm turning my will and my life over to God in the moment and there's no half measures. Um, yes, I, I think I got it. And that <laughs> what you said that it's never going to go away. I can only just ignore it. But it's never gonna. It's never gonna, you know, be eradicated. You know, the it just it's, it will never be eradicated. It can only be ignored. And um, yeah, that's it. That's really helpful. That's really, really, really helpful. And this week, I have to tell you, I uh, poof. You know, the I uh, I did a, a really nice um, a job of hurting somebody. I'm in this uh, relationship with. Um, a guy that I went out with in high school and he knows me better than, you know, he, there's no masks. He knows my family, he knows everybody, you know, he, he knows me like through and through. And, um, it's, it's going really well. It's wonderful. And we had this beautiful evening and the next day, um, we were having breakfast and I and I, I, I brought up, um, this idea that I have that I don't know why I have this idea and that I, um, have no reason or proof about it. I just, I, I just mentioned, oh, well, maybe we should consider an open relationship, which didn't go over very well. And I just, it was all ego. It was all like a barrier. Like, let me put a barrier up. Let me have a control over him to put him in this box so that he's on edge and I'm in control. And it was like, what the fuck are you talking? And he's like, uh, He's not in the program, but he's like, Christine, wh why are you trying to sabotage this? He just said it like right there. And I was like, and I'm really uh, glad that we worked it out. And I, um, and I like checked myself and he knows me since I'm 17. So he knows all my little tricks and stuff. And it's like, it's a miracle that God put this person in my life. I'm very lucky, but that's, that's how things go. You know, I've been alone for years. I've, I've, I've wanted a relationship and now I have one and I'm just, I'm like, let me just, just blow it up into, into a million pieces. So, mm. uh, thanks for, um, thanks for that. And, uh, and thanks for, for that awareness and, uh, and very clear instruction, very clear instruction. It's really simple. Mm. It's either I'm, I'm, uh, turning my will and my life over to God in the moment or myself. That's it. Thank you. Thanks, Christine. Johnny. Hi. Johnny Alcoholic. Uh, thanks, Randy, and thanks, Christine. That was a perfect description. 
So, yeah, uh, boy, it's a really painful truth to try and accept what you shared there, you know, like, there's pretty much a 100% chance that some point between now and when I die, I will throw my whole life away through either inaction or insane action. And that's, it's so absolutely humbling to realize there's no compromise with ego. There's no compromise with it. And in my experience, I, I, I got, I, you said it's not treated, it's ignored. And I think that bears repeating. Because it's not, it's something has always bothered me when people say, oh, my alcoholism is treated because it's still their alcoholism and I don't think there's such a thing. It's more like it's occurring, but it has nothing to do with me and it's not driving me, you know? And to admit that my whole existence in the seemingly in this body has viewed life entirely from three perspectives, you know, whether a stopping is likely imminent or not at all in the picture is infuriating in a way, but there's something else. And you talked about it. There's relief from the bondage of it. There's just, it's here. The mind is doing its thing. And it has no juice because God is the Lord of my life. And uh, that's the next frontier. And uh, I get tastes of it every day, but it it hasn't been abiding yet. But I'm going to keep coming back because tomorrow is going to be perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Texas T, you're up. You're muted. There you go. Try now. Oh, I think we're playing mute tag. There you go. Am I unmuted? Great. Hello, everybody. I'm Texas T, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Texas. Um, look at my big smile. You know, I I love breaking these, this any of this uh, AA stuff down and talking about it slowly. Because, you know, I can just read through it, and I think I got it, but I didn't get anything because I didn't take the time to think about what was being said in the words. And that's why I thank you so much, Randy, because, you know, I love reading through this stuff slowly and thinking about it and asking God, what does this mean? Can you show me what this means? Because my ego certainly isn't going to let me see it. And, and, and uh, what you were discussing earlier about the, um, uh, if, if, if I actually asked God to remove all of these things, what would I be? And it reminds me of that section in the book, why I'll be the hole in the donut. And the thing is, I'm just thinking about how terrifying that was for me at the beginning until I kept applying this over and over and over. And now it's just like that was my ego trying to keep the power because I am so 
grateful and relieved to be relieved, relieved of all of that stuff that I thought I would miss. And it only caused me trouble, but I couldn't see it in the moment because mm. I was terrified. That fear just had me. I, I, I'm going to lose who I am. And the, the thing is, it's like, no, I get to build a new character with all the good stuff that God shows me. And then I get to be my course the same. I'm a happy human being. I was just, I had so much rubbish piled on top of me and all this ego that had me fooled that I needed all of that stuff to protect me from you and, uh, and, and, and then when it started being removed, I'm just like, oh, my God, I can breathe. And, and I, I wanted more. And the fear was removed. It's just like I am not the hole in the donut. I just had to make room for God to fill that hole up with the good stuff. So thanks, thanks for uh, bringing this information to us to the table i love you and i love everybody on the meeting yay go to god go to god go to god <laughs> in the moment you're in moment to moment to moment right randy <laughs> that's right yeah. right now thanks texas t scott dude thank you so much randy scott definitely an alcoholic mind hi scott um one of the early tools that mm -hmm. Eric taught me was, and I twist the words, I, to me they mean more, when irritated or angered, pause. Now after today's reading, I think I definitely need to interject. When irritated, angered, or ego has control, pause. And now this means more to me. I think you quite often say it's time to turn. Well, isn't it what that pause is? Because every single day I get myself in trouble. Uh, and I want to control it. I want to control it, but it just blows up. How do you get more control? <laughs> you know to pause. You know to turn. But it's like, I can't. Thanks, Randy. Yep, that's the joy of living. Yeah. yeah. Melissa? Melissa, are you there? Hi, sorry. I was having trouble unmuting. Um, I think I my question has actually kind of been answered. Um, but I was just looking at the last sentence in the summary. The object of therapy is to permanently replace the old ego and its activity. And so when I saw old ego, I thought, does that mean we're trying to make a new ego? And then I was thinking of um, some of the things I've been hearing like that, you know, we need to, the ego and the spirit needs to sort of work together, not work together, but to sort of be in harmony with the ego to some extent, but I think really what it's saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, now that I've listened to more shares, is that the um, we're replacing the ego, I guess, with God. Is that is that more what it's saying, or? Yeah, it's hard to talk about what it is we're doing, but 
the, the best way to describe it is right now in this moment, I stand at a turning point. I'm either going to put my attention on alcoholism, ego, and self, on that part of me that wants, that needs, that's always in a hurry, easily frustrated and unsatisfiable and all the things we described, or I'm going to put my attention on my higher power. I'm going to start rightly relating myself to my higher power and I'm going to ask it what I should do now. And so I, the new ego doesn't need to be built. There is no new ego. There's the new relationship to be intuitively guided by a higher power that already knows how to do it right. <laughs> the truth is already there. I'm just abandoning the lies that I've made up. I'm just abandoning my delusions and my fears, which is the ego. That's what the ego built was a bunch of delusions and fears. And I'm putting my attention on truth is another way to say that. But, but truth doesn't need to be built. I'm not building any truth. I'm not building a new character. I'm just plugging in to be rightly related, to be intuitively guided to the truth, by the truth. And uh, I think that's a little different way of saying it, but, you know, uh, psychiatrists have to build new egos or they don't have a job. Um, and Alcoholics Anonymous, we're not, I, I mean, you hear a lot about building a new character, but really what we're building is the old we're, what we're we're tapping into the old character the, the old character is really the god character the new character is the character that i've built that i've created over time and with my experiences and what i call it my experiences my perception of what happened is where the new character got built but my perception comes from it, it's all built on lies so i hope that makes sense uh, Rick. Oh, Rick. And I'm a grateful alcoholic. Thank you, Randy. This is good stuff. Um, um, I think the toughest thing for me to swallow is that time doesn't really buy me much, that maybe it helping me turn faster. But at the end of the day, it's a message that there's nothing that I can read. There's no book. There's no self-help. There's no number of meetings. There's no nothing. I can't store this up in a barn. I can't take the day off. Um, every day I wake up, I have to, it'd be like, it's just like Groundhog Day, like that movie. And it's just, but not in a fun way. You know, and I go through the day, and for me it seems very clear. I'm either at peace or I'm agitated. And when I find out, pause for a minute, and I find that I'm agitated, I find I chose ego. Um, I chose myself again. And at that moment, I, if I have the strength and the courage to pause, then I can turn into the other road and turn to my higher power, hopefully be on the peaceful road. So it's just kind of a, a hard lesson to realize that I'm either using my road or I'm using the higher power's road. And every day, it's just a moment of choices. And every day, I start again and get up and drag myself. And there's no book I can read today. There's nothing I can do. I just have to keep going forward and making that choice. And hopefully, the peaceful right choice. Thank yeah. you. That movie, Groundhog Day, is the best example of alcoholism. The best. He wakes up every day 
knowing he's not going to, it's going to be the same every day. And he starts off every day trying to please himself. Every day he's going to rob a bank and have all the money. But at the end of the day, he dies. He kills himself. Uh, he, he makes fun of people and he thinks that's going to be fun. And, and he does everything to serve himself. And then, and then he gets it. Then he gets it that what he could do every day would go out and be of service to that community. And he could learn how to play the piano because people would like it. And he could learn how to be at the right place when the kid falls out of the tree and save the kid. And he could be polite to people and make them smile. And when he gets it that going out and being of service brings him joy, that's the day he wakes up and his life is never the same again. That's ego. Ego is Groundhog Day. Every day I find fault. Every day I'm opinionated. Every day I'm unsatisfied. Every day. But the moment that I turn my will and my life over to the care of God, I get a, I, things start happening I've never seen before. And I start to enjoy myself. Ruth Ann. <clears throat> Here, let's try again. Um, yeah. There you go. Okay. Am I in? Yes. Yeah. Hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, evening, Annie. Lovely to see you. Looking well. Um, yeah, I really I started to do this with Annie last year, you know, as a sponsor. And obviously, I've attended your, uh, the meetings, uh, Randy. And I thank you for your help and support, both you and, you and Annie, you know, during the Christmas period. I've been in a terrible state. I did have a drink. And it was just the same as before. It wasn't a vast amount, but it was, you know, take that first drink, hadn't eaten much of the running around behaviour, not attending meetings, as, as Annie wisely said. You know, I, I can't afford not not to connect, plug in, put anything else above this. You know, I picked the drink up and I wanted more. I wanted oblivion. I wanted, yeah, I did, and that was it. Used it. And, you know, we've got to do everything that is opposite to it and... Um, yeah, ego, egocentric, you know, to think that I can take a drink and it's going to be all right again, you know, and I know damn well, as you said, you know, I've smashed cars, I had a serious accident, I nearly lost my eye, 1995, you know, same, it's just, I don't want that madness in my life, and I had to make a decision, you know, there was no meetings on Boxing Day, I didn't know where I was, and that was without a drink, surrendering, you know, surrendering, I had to... You know, I didn't know where the meetings were, there will change, all the confusion there, everything. I've had to bear so much on my own, but alcohol's not an option. And I find Christmas time very, very hard because, um, you know, we have family Christmases and this lockdown, everything, what we're all going through, but a drink won't solve anything. And, you know, all what I've learned in your principles and applications, and I write it all down, I love writing. But I drink on my emotions, you know, and it's true. It's, you know, I can know it all, write it. But, you know, what, what precipitates that first drink? And for me, it is um, not looking after myself, self-care, eating properly, um, looking after number one. But a lot of things that I don't want to go on too much, but it's so good to be part of this meeting. And I'll hopefully find out more. And Annie, please get in touch. We'll look forward to seeing you soon, you know, and... Um, Yes, to, to go through the TiVo, TiVo, we started, and I think we did them some of you. It's great to be connected with everyone, and it's great 
to be sober a day at a time. It really is. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Ruthann. Keep coming back. You're oh. awesome. Yeah, I will. Okay. Leanne. Leanne, I call Hey. Hi, Thank you, everyone, for the meeting. And, yeah, wow. That's... What a nice Saturday. Would really you glad to be here. And I can... I do the steps at the moment, the second time in, in step eight and nine, and I can really feel partly physically how the ego comes back and is like discussing with me. And then with this smaller man, I mean, because like some amends I just forgot. I just forgot in the first round that's, that could be like an amend. And then this internal discussion about those and like while we were going like through the text while you were reading, Randy, I felt like, okay, yeah, you know, the, the path is just paved. It's always paved. I can just always turn towards like the right way and this way. It's like not like without effort, if it's like an honest, if it's an honest turn. And um, I mean, I'm almost through with like the sharing of, of that, but I can, it definitely does something even like the second time is, you will be amazed before we're halfway through. It's something, and it's really, I mean, I'm happy that with AA to have like an environment where it's possible to share this kind of experience because it would be weird if I would share it with like a friend. They probably would be like, okay, what's going on? Don't know what, uh, how, to, how to catch something like this. And to me, how I experience this step at the moment is also that it encourages me to do the work again and again and again and it gives me like the proof that it's uh that it's something that is like real again and again like with every year with every amend and i just had like a, i just had a situation where i came was in the grocery store and and bought like two two pieces of packed uh packed meat like grilled cooked meat and at the counter the cashier um didn't catch like one of both. So I, I was looking at it and I was just paying for one. And while I, I saw it and I was like, oh, do we say something? I said, no, I wasn't. I, so on, on the way back, I had the discussion in my mind. I already knew, okay, you probably have to go back. <laughs> next, next day I talked with my sponsor. He was like, yeah, I'm, I mean, probably you should. So I went back like three days ago went back, was like, here, you know, I would, went to the butcher, I would like to pay this. And he looked at me, was like, you know, you don't have to do that. Hmm. And I was kind of puzzled. And then what, where I want to lead is I left like the grocery, I paid, I left the, the, uh, the, the, the supermarket and it gave me a feeling I haven't had for like, for like months. And I remember like being early recovery, I had that. And I think that's, yeah. That's just the work somehow. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. That's an awesome experience. Being honest is awesome. It's so awesome. And to be living in the truth is so, it, there's, it's so powerful to pay for stuff that they gave you for free because you have a power greater than yourself that's supplying everything that you need so you never have to be afraid. But when you actually practice it, like what you were saying, I it reminded me of times that I had done that and the amazing feeling of being honest and showing up and doing the right thing. 
in surrender, not in compliance, in surrender, because I want the peace. <clears throat> it's awesome. Great job. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. All right. 1230. We did it. Everyone that raised their hand got to share right on time. It's beautiful. So I appreciate you all so much. I hope that you know that. I'm so grateful that you come here and meditate with me on Saturdays. And then we have this amazing talk. Uh, I'm blown away just by this experience every Saturday. I am blown away. And uh, I look forward to doing it again. Uh, we're going to start step one in the 12 and 12 next Saturday. And, uh, and yeah, step one in the 12 and 12. I would encourage you to read the doctor's opinion, uh, Bill's story, and there is a solution on your own because I'm not going to read through that. That would be like five and a half years and four and a half years is enough to torture anybody into staying sober. Um, so I would encourage you to read those on your own. I'll, I'll pull out the little bits that are really important, like all of it, but I'll pull it out separately and, uh. And uh, that's it. So we'll do a moment of silence. I'm going to allow yourselves to unmute yourselves. And then we'll do the serenity prayer together. God. Grant me the serenity. To accept the things we cannot change. The courage to change things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Amen. Keep coming back. Thank you. Great job. Thank you. Thank you.